Now, we have over here Pesach coming up, and we have a Chiv, he got it to Lubincha. A father told me he was not TP, you know. I told him, don't come to the Seder. I told him, you need him. He got it to Lubincha. How do you have a, if he got it to Lubincha without a Bincha? Your kid needs to be there. You can't, he's your Chifetz Shomitzvah. It's like you gave away your Lulav Yasrig. You need to have a Bincha over here. So, we try to go ahead and realize here with stage four kids in crisis, that we're all basically in the hospital. Your home is a hospital. Your home is a trauma center. And it's not life as business as usual. Some of the big mistakes that the amateurs make is that they think, oh, everybody's going to come home just like last year, and we're going to this, we're going to that. Everything's going to be the same. And, oh, my kid stayed in the room. My kid was depressed. My kid didn't feel comfortable. No. If you're in crisis, situation, be lucky that your Seder is not in the hospital, on a little chair, and using the kara from the Bikr Chaylum. That's what the physical illness people are doing. You have, you have not physical illness, you have emotional, psychological, psychiatric illness, but it's stage four, it's crisis. And one of the things that would help so much is if they could just make an x-ray, and you would see the brokenness. Everybody would already understand what to do. So we go ahead and we put the kids in bad situations where they get forced to go into their room, and they get more depression, it's a very, very scary and dangerous time. And remember, the four times of year that are very difficult for kids, winter, summer, spring, and fall, very difficult times for kids. Yantif is very difficult. It's mamish a very difficult time. There's too many people home. People are not on regular schedule. There's too many restrictions. Besides for the regular restrictions of humanity, like wearing a shirt, which they struggle with, like I saw today someone here, sent me a ki uh, their kid in their dining room, just with everyone there, just no undershirt, right? That's just so typical. It's fine. In a few years from now, the undershirt will come. He's there. He's there. He was dating a shiksa. He broke up. It's going to be fine in Mitzvah Hashem. It's a stage. It's just temporary insanity. It goes away with time. Clothing starts to appear. The same way that it disappeared, it will appear. It just takes time. None of our kids and I, I, really, I wish somebody would really research and call everybody who was here five years ago. Do your kids still walk around in their underwear? No. Not even five. But I'm saying is it's temporary insanity. It's a phase. And never, that's, that's how you're comfortable. That's how you're comfortable walking around. It's, it's, un, it's just astonishing. You know, the tikkun the for it is not telling them and whatever. We have a medicine for that. But it's just astonishing that they're more comfortable. <coughs> it's unbelievable. Anyway, that's Kiyomru Aleichem Aneichem. You have a dialogue with your kid. But it's not business as usual. Absolutely not. You can't have people over. You can't have people over that, that's going to make your kid um, go into his room, into his little dungeon over there. You can't have anybody come over. Uh, they, they don't like noise. Kids hate noise. Right? The blaring headphones with the blasting music is fine. But a little kid going, wee, 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 stop it already. They can't, they go, Arois and Caitlin. Right? And especially they're, what they have usually, usually Kips, have a phone playing something, a laptop playing something, the TV is playing something, the radio was on, and the, the fan in the bathroom is going. It's like, what? Maybe that's enough to drown out the noise in their brain. But if there's, it's quiet and then there's like this annoying things and people, or if chas v'shalom, someone's going to look down at them, or even not look down at them, just look at them. Just go like, whoa, right? Then they shouldn't be in your house this year. Next year, l'shana habab right? Ashata avdi, but l'shana habab You're going to be out of the crisis center, be'ezus Hashem. Different story. Right now, everything goes around the chayla. Did anybody ever tell you that? Uh, the whole world has to go around your kid. But by every physical illness, everybody understands that Pashat. The whole misunderstanding is that people don't treat emotional, mental illness the way that we naturally do for physical illness. And not only that, on the least physical illness, the 101 fever, everything is clear. Wake up when you want. You can't go to work. You don't go to school. But what's going to be? What's he has fever. He doesn't know what's going to be. He can't, if he loses his job, he's going to be bored all day. He has fever. So a kid could have 101 fever 
and everybody understands what to do. If he has mono or fever that doesn't go away or any kind of, you know, low-grade illness like uh, the flu or like nothing life-threatening. And here, this kid can want to manage die, could be on drugs, could be at risk of all kinds of horrible, terrible things emotionally, psychiatrically, and spiritually. Much worse, ten times worse than that 101 fever. And we are totally, what? Well, but... but but, but he has to, we get totally lost. Halavai, somebody should invent a thermometer for emotional pain. I don't know where you stick it, but you stick it somewhere, <laughs> and all of a sudden it comes up, you'll see. How much emotional pain is your kid in? You'll say, wow, if I had to put it into a number, 101? No. 103? No. Mamish, 106. So 106, no, they don't go to work, and they don't go outside. And yes, everybody revolves around them. They're in the hospital, and they have to go to Baltimore. Tati is going to be in Baltimore for the Seder. What? No, nobody would say that. Really? Mesir's nefesh. You look at them, Mesir's nefesh to go to Baltimore if my child is ill? Mesir's nefesh. If somebody would say that you're not a father, you're not a mother, Every mother and father would sit by the, by the hospital bed in, in, in any city in the world and would eat bigger chaylon applesauce, and that's it. That's the Seder. Whatever you get, shine. Why? Because that's the way we deal with sick children. So now in our door we have emotional illness, psychiatric illness that never happened before. When we grew up, it didn't exist, so people are all confused. Now nah, they're manipulating you. Really? They're manipulating you, that's why they're dysfunctional and can't hold down a job and can't be happy and hate life and want to die? They're manipulating us? No. So that's what we have to remember. Now we have a hospital. But the hospital is in your house. And we're going to do everything that we can to be Makaira of this child. First of all, that they shouldn't feel the sting. I hate Pesach. I dread the fear on the call we had Sunday night with the out-of-towners, we have almost 50 families out of town of TP every Sunday night on the conference call, and some of the families, they said, my kid mamish, so from, we only start learning Hilchus HaChag, Shleishim Yoyim, Kaidem already three months before Pesach, she's like, I hate Pesach, I hate it, I hate it. And I came up with an idea, and I want you all to do this. You have Yomra Aleichem, you have Ahaya, Lashem Simcha, you talk to your kids. So I told them, and, and outside of TP, most parents can't do this. You can do this. Go to your child and say, Tati and I were thinking, Mommy and I were thinking, go together. You're probably very uncomfortable with Pesach coming. They're going to say, yeah. Can you do me a favor and write down a list of what makes you feel uncomfortable? And me and Mommy are going to work together to make sure that we're going to do as much as we can that you should be comfortable. Three quarters of the problems we can handle. He's going to say, I can't stand whatever. No problem. I can't bring in a... I was on the phone, and everybody needs their own sack. We were on the phone with a big paisik, and he told them exactly what to do. The kip's room, they sell the room, and they gave the kid a microwave and a toaster oven and a refrigerator and tell him, listen, you can bring in whatever you want. He said, they have no achrayas on that. They worked it out, pitayra, and you could all do that with your das That's why everybody has their own rabbi, their own rub. The small ones don't know how to, how to give you the, the heter. The big paiskim, which we have some of the biggest paiskim in the world here, they know right away exactly. They told you what to do. The mother said, what about cleaning up the room? You could take out the garbage, but the garbage has comments in it. All the shilas, they asked, they asked thereof. So instead of telling this kid who has so much dread because she thinks that if I bring in a crumb, then you're going to take out the uzi. So Nebuch, this kid is pikoach nefesh and suicidal and cutting herself and all these terrible stories, and some Rabbanim say it doesn't even need to be so bad, but let's say they are, and now we're putting on top of that not just regular Yiddishkeit rules, but Pesach rules. And on top of Pesach, Pesach halachas, which are so stringent, we put, as if that's not bad enough, we put on high levels of anxiety that are not even halachadik, that we just have associated with Pesach of like crazy stuff, like she told me, one of the questions was, she goes, right now I have a Pesach kitchen, and my daughter, the kip, it's right near her room, so she goes around eating chametz. Can I tell her to stop doing that? So I asked her a logical question. Before I answer you, before you go to the rub, before I answer you, I have a question for you. Is there a chance that the chametz is going to get into the food? 
In other words, I understand. Normally, we're neurotic, crazy people, and it makes sense. If I, was, if I had a kitchen here, I would tell you, starting over there, no comments. But Lamaisa, if I have a Down syndrome child, or I have a dog, or I have a, a, a housekeeper, and they're eating over here, does that mean that, are you worried? I said, is there a fear, any chashash that the chametz is actually get in the pot, or in the kitchen? She says, no, but she's there. I said, so then you, that, let's start splitting things up. If you're worried about chametz getting into the mamish being a problem, that's one thing, but you're really not. You're just crazy people, because we're all crazy, because we want to be machmer, which is wonderful but not on her. So they don't tell her anything. Because there's no actual Shiloh. It's a made-up Shiloh out of our fear, which is coming from a wonderful place, but there was actually a big room, plenty of space, and they did not feel that it would actually go there. Now, how do I know if the mother's anxiety is, is, is real or it's really a Shiloh? Very simple. Ask the father. Right? And the father's like, no, it's not a problem. You know, mommy's Baruch Hashem, go cuckoo for this reason, which is a, it's like it's in the, in the generations and there's reasons why you should, fine, we're not going to get into that right now. So the point is, we are going to do everything that we possibly can to make our kids comfortable. They're going to give you a list of ten things that they hate. We're going to be able to fix six, seven, or eight of them. You're going to go back to him. You have a relationship. And you're going to say, listen, I spoke to the Rav, and I spoke, we worked it out, we brainstormed, and we came up with the first problem was that you can't eat chametz before Pesach. Don't worry about it. In your area, you could have it. The second thing was that you're going to bring chametz in, and you're worried that the Pesach police is going to come. Don't worry. We're selling your room, and it's not an issue. The third one was they told me that one of their kids was scared. I don't like when you come into my room to do B'dikas chametz. Easy enough. They asked their Rav. The Rav says, you don't have to go into a room to do B'dikas chametz. Anyway, you don't need a candle because it's everywhere. You know, because she's just not keeping, and that's it. They think it's like an option, keeping and not keeping. Nabuch, 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 but I hope next year she'll keep. Right now she's not keeping. So the Rav explained to us that this Rav, and you have to ask your own Rav, that if you have a firm person living, living together with a not firm person, your roommates, or you have two rooms, you can't force, it's not communist Russia, you can't force him to keep your rules. What do you do? You take care of your room, he takes care of his room. So if you sell his room, I say like this, when you sell the room to the guy, sell it with the kip also. Sell the whole kit and caboodle, kip, kip and caboodle, you sell them the chametz with the kip, and like this, it's not a problem. So the Rav said, oh, half of the problems that were on their list, halakhically, you don't need to do. It's not, it's not a problem. The other half, we're going to accommodate. We're not going to do bedikas chametz in your room. We're not going to have, you know, we're going to have other food for you. It could be, by the way, that if a kid is going to go to McDonald's on Pesach, even if he eats from the Pesach menu in McDonald's, it's not Oiskahalton, because it's Gebruks. But anyway, if that's the fear that they're going to Uber Eats, could be that you should have a separate keli and make food that is pesach Go around. Pace, no, you, there's an aisle. You don't have to go climb. You don't, okay. Depends where you're going. So it could be that you can make... The, the stuff that the, the goyim, like me and Flapush eat, you know what I mean? That you wouldn't normally eat, but if you have that, all of a sudden, besides for an egg and a potato, I would also go off the dark, an egg and a potato for eight days, that's all you got, which is, it shows you how creative you get, how many different things you can make with an egg and a potato. So it could be that you can go to the store, where I just saw the advertisement, where they have Pesach Tikka bagels and pizza, which most Heimische people are not going to have. Maybe for this kid, you extend the menu, and you'll save him from chametz. Ask your das what to do. And if it can't be in your kitchen, maybe you make a Pesach the kitchen, chametz the kitchen, you have like a semi-Pesach kitchen, where you put in the gebrakst, and you put in the rice, maybe. I mean, any heter that you can to help that there should be enough food of a variety that your kids shouldn't eat Uber Eats. Hello? Right? Let him first be modern orthodox, and then we'll get, you know, we'll get to orthodox, and then we'll try for ultra-orthodox, which is, I, I hear that's amazing, right? Okay, it's great. Now, we're going to get to Pesach night. So, very important, first thing, ask your child, please give me a list of things that annoy you about Pesach, okay? Don't ask your other kids on the derech, because that list is going to be very big, and we can't help them. And don't ask your husband, just, just, just the kip. Things that annoy you, and say, we really want you to be comfortable here. We're going to bend over backwards. We'll get back to you. Don't answer on the spot. We'll get back. It'll show thought. 
And then you'll say, okay, the Rav said this, the Rav said that, we thought of this Eitzah, we thought of that Eitzah, all the Eneklach are coming, I don't like when they come. You know what? So we thought of an Eitzah, we're going to close the door to the basement, we're going to put a, another door on the hallway upstairs, You're, we're going to give you a lock to the room, we're going to get tape for their mouths, whatever the Eitzah will be, we will come up with times that'll be. But it's not business as usual, sometimes kids can't come, and sometimes son-in-laws have to go to their parents, things have to move around. Now, one of the things that our kids are allergic to is tension and pressure, even not directed at them. They can't stand it. If there's fighting, if there's tension in the house, they have such a reaction. If you want to give good, good, good chinuch or good musr to one of your other kids that deserves it, they, they can't stand it. The pressure, the it, it kills them. Which is why I recommend that you, everybody should build in their house a soundproof room for chinuch purposes. You take your other children in. In the room, you close the door, padded walls, and you could have all different things hanging on the wall, pliers, and I don't know what you people want to use. That's fine. I don't care. You can torture your kids until they're off the derech, and then we have to be nice to them, right? Because we can't be nice to regular kids who are still functioning well and giving us nachas. So when you do chinuch on the other kids, you hurt this kid. They hate it. And it's marachik them. So therefore, we have to be careful about tension and pressure. Now, Erev Shabbos is tension and pressure. But Erev Pesach, oh man, Erev Pesach is most of the year the psychiatrists are making money from the Erev Pesach tension and anxiety that they end up having to give pills for the rest of the year for Kal Yisrael. So we have to be so classy. We have to be prepared in advance. And we have to not only prepare the house from chametz, we have to also hide all of the chametz stick amidos, the anger, the frustration, the anxieties, the, the cast, the, the, the judgment, the being nervous, all of that is chametz. It's chametz always, but here it's chametz gomer, and it has to go away. Which means some things are going to happen that are not so ay 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 what you want, and you're just going to realize, just going to relax, I'm going to deal with it. You'll realize, by the way, that even when your kid comes back and is from an erluch, you might want to stick with that. It's not a bad way to live your life. Everybody else will live, but the anxieties and the damage that's done when people are nervous and upset can last a lifetime. So you might want to, want to anyway do that, but now you have no choice. Rachum and Chanan. To your other kids, no problem. It's okay. You know, it's all right because it's a tenth time. So we have to be very careful. Now we're going to get towards the Pesach night. Some of our kips are going to be there and we can pull them in and we can attract them. We can do kirav on them. Some of them are not, but we still have to do this in order that they'll hear about it and they'll say, really? Interesting. They'll come before they would have come the other way. You have to have crackpots with food. I talk about it for the whole year, especially with the kids that are eating off schedule and especially many of them have semi-eating disorders or full-blown eating disorders. You get three, four crackpots for fleshiks and for milichiks, and there's food always there. It helps you. It always looks good. It always tastes good. It's never wasted because whatever's not good on Sunday, you eat it as Monday and the crackpot, it tastes even better. Kugels become overnight kugels, they become overweek kugels, and they become overmonth kugels. It gets better and better. Whatever your kid doesn't eat, the other kids eat, it's cheap. You can do bones and and and. Mama's cheap food tastes very, very, very good. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. And you have farinas and stuff from the Milchika department, which I'm not going to talk about because I have no interest in that. We'll stick to the fleshiks. We have all kinds, even fricassee and bones. From bones you can make a meal. It's mamish unbelievable. like the mun. And you put stuff in there. After a couple of days, things start floating around. You don't even know, did I put that in there? Was that once a vegetable? What is that? It's, it's fine. It's all good. They open up the, the, the thing. This is what's good. Because how many of your kids say, they come out like at 4 o'clock in the morning, there's nothing to eat in this house. There's nothing to eat in that. Here there's always fresh food. It's fresh. It's ready. How many times do you make a steak? You say, okay, it's ready in 10 minutes. Three hours later, they come up. It's dry and cold. Yes. Now it's just not really good, right? But it was good. Here, go, go that way. It was good when we made it, and the timing wasn't always working out exactly so good. Here, there's no problem with timing. It's always fresh. The best part, you open up the top, Reach Nichoyach Lashem. Ah, it's gewaldig. It smells good. It gets the appetite going, and everybody's happy with that. But especially now, over Pesach. 
keep the crackpots full. Crackpots for our crackpots. It's the way to go. Now, we're starting ready Pesach right now. We're going to get into it. The first thing is, our kips and some of our other kids need to eat. If you're going to wait until we start eating after Marev, it's going to be very, very late. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's nervous. Not a good thing. For our kips, for sure not. So you keep food ready. Before Mincha, during Mincha, Tatis and Shul, between Mincha Marev, it's all, it's, it's all a good time to eat. And let's not worry about them. You have a shayla about Kiddush or whatever, ask your Rav. Your Rav will tell you, for Kips, it's not an issue, especially crisis level that we're dealing with, unfortunately. Not an issue. They should eat when they want to eat, and this way nobody gets nervous, and it's fine. Especially the crackpots are going to be going. Tati before Mincha also will eat a little bit. Maybe he will come home not so nervous and angry. It's not a bad thing either. So the crackpots and food should be available before Mariv or during Shul, and that's a very important thing. Now, I actually do this in my family, and this part about preparing. I have a, I have a pet peeve. I'm not a nervous person, Baruch Hashem. My kids know the entire year. I don't care about anything. Even though I'm a late-night guy, there's one thing that I care about, that after you come home from Shul, we waste approximately an hour, and nobody knows why. What exactly happened that's an hour? You come home from shul at like 9.30, 9.45. It's 4 o'clock in the morning and we're still picking seats and looking at matzahs. Is this a crack? Is this a crack? Is it a real crack? I think it's missing. We're picking wine. Wine is spilling. It's, it's just, why do we do that? So Shabbos, I know in my house, most houses, Shabbos, right, Thursday night, everybody set the table. Set the table before. So what I do is, even if I was in a hotel last year, I went before Mincha, and I took off every, all the, because they, they set it with the silver, we don't need that. I set up a Haggadah, I want to make a plug. Personally, I found the best Haggadah in the world. It might be a little bit of high level for some of you. And I, I bought, I like for the whole family to have the same. This way everybody sees when you turn the page, we're all together, instead of everyone is in a different place. It's called the Little Medrash Haggadah. The Little Medrash says... It's not the regular Medrash says. It's the little Medrash says. It's made for four-year-olds. It's mamish unbelievable. It's beautiful. First of all, it's nice to see the English. Second of all, if you know all the Divrei Torah that they have in there, you, you know everything. They have questions. They have answers. They have gematria. It's mamish unbelievable. It's, it's full of knowledge. It's geschmack. It's big. So what I did was, first of all, pick, pick the seats. Work on the seats beforehand. I printed it out, and I stuck it by everybody, uh, their chair or their thing, I don't remember, and I set up the seats. Then I put the Haggadah by everybody. I put a, a, a bottle of grape juice by everybody's seat, because that's basically, you know, that's pretty much the diet for the night. And, um, and I filled up the kais with wine, with grape juice. If you want wine, you can switch it, but you better be ready by the time I'm ready. Or if you know in advance what everybody's drinking, Put it by them or under the table, a couple of bottles. Fill up the case of wine. Now listen, I picked the matzahs. I set up the kara. Now, everything was ready to go. Everything was ready to go. Came home from shul. I said, listen, I'm walking in. For those of you that wear a kittel, I save time. I don't wear a kittel. Lubavitch doesn't wear a kittel, right? No kittel. We save an extra 10 seconds. Kaddish. Boom. Why? Mommy's got to be ready with the kids. Kaddish, we start. And we're done with that afterwards, okay? Now, so um, I re definitely highly recommend the little Medrash says. It's amazing, amazing. I love it, but I like the fact that everybody is the same one. Many, many years ago, we're doing this already 10 years, a family came up with a concept that we enhanced and enhanced and enhanced, and now we use it for many, many, many years, many, many hundreds of families. It's called a speed saver, okay? The idea is that we're going to be Makar of the kid. Now, I heard that Lubavitch, that's what they do. Because Lubavitch has to be Makar of people, right? We don't have to do anything that makes sense because everybody's stuck. But Lubavitch wants to be Makar of new people. So if your Seder is not ready beforehand and you start crafting around for an hour and a half and you start having six hours till the main dish, you're not going to be Makar of anybody that year and you're going to go out of business and the Chabad house is just going to become a Chabad playroom or something. Nobody's coming to you ever again. So they keep things going. It's, let's move it. We've got to get to the main dish because we have to, we're doing sales, right? We're also doing sales. By the way, everyone in Klai Yisrael, we're all salesmen now. Nobody knows what's going on in our kids' minds. We have to make Yiddishkeit exciting and fun 
and we're salesmen. So I wouldn't do a speed seder if there's no reason, but for the kip, you ask your das taira if it's applicable, they will all tell you that it is for the people here and the people watching, you have to decide with your rav. Now here's what happens. How long does it really take to make a seder if you're doing the minimum? Right, because what do we want? We really want halavai the kip should come, and again, even if they're not there this year, you do this and do this and do this, they'll come earlier. The same way Hanukkah, we planned out, we have so many stories of kids that ended up coming to Hanukkah, not the first year, but they heard about all of our tricks that every kid gets a gift every single night, so they came the second or third year, but we were makar of them. We are makar of them through doing things that they're going to eventually want to be a part of because it makes sense, it's fun, it's nice. So we tell everyone in the family, and the best way to do it is to say, Tati went to a shir. Tati came home and said, you know what? There's a new thing. It's called a speed seder. I called the Rav. He says, Gesundheit, speed seder, no problem. And then I'll say, what? Really? You're not going to torture us this year? We're going to finally have carpets at 3 o'clock in the morning? Really? We're going to have... Yeah, check it out. Now, how long does Kaddish take? So remember, you're coming home. Everything is ready. So you walk in. Don't sit down. Don't look for anything. Kaddish, as ding-dong, you walk in the room. Kaddish, Kiddish, five minutes. How long does it take? Burchatz. How long does it, if you don't get sidetracked, if you just go wash your hands and you come back to the table, how long does it take? Five minutes. Karpas. Now, for those of you who know me, I hope I, I'm David Shazahof and I will never go off the derech, but if I ever do, it's because of Karpas. <laughs> right? That carpas, I'm starving by that point because when I grew up, there was no crackpot and Avi telling my parents to feed me. So you didn't eat in a few years. And all of a sudden, it's like an hour and a half later, and they give you carpas. So finally, we're going to eat. It's like Auschwitz. Potato. How big is the potato? It's like a pea. It's like the size of a pea. It's like a potato. Because, you know, I have more than kazayas which is absolutely fascinating because when it comes to the matzah, they make me eat 17 matzahs because that's a kazayas. I'm like, why can't the same guy that we hired for the matzah kazayas guy work for the potato department and why can't my karpas be chazanish, brisker karpas? No, chazanish, less than a kazayas and you dip it in and you start licking it. You were licking it because we're starving. We're starving and everybody, this happens, every, everybody says the same thing. Mommy, we should make this all year. It's delicious. Yeah, because they're starving. If you starve Jews long enough, they think that potatoes and a little salt water is delicious. And we're like licking the spoon afterwards because we'd only give them this teeny amount. They shouldn't have any more. And I heard somebody said that you're allowed to have more, and nobody told me. It's unbelievable. So that Karpas thing, I don't know. We have to hook up the Chazanish Briska Matzah guy and hire it for the potato. Anyway, so the shear. So the karpas, I, I realized that karpas has a lot of anxiety going on. We start handing out, the, the, for some reason, the Pesach leader gets the, all the karpas for everybody. I don't know why it says he has to have that. And he goes ahead and he starts dipping it out, and it starts falling and cracking and dripping everywhere. That's like part of our Seder. And then we're like diving on top of the masses and covering stuff up in plastic, and aluminum is coming everywhere to protect from water because, right, so... Why, why exactly do we do that? Part of my setup was I bought, I took it with me to the hotel. I had a whole crate of stuff that I came to the hotel with. Maybe it's weird, but it works. I got little, little dessert bowls, and I put by in front of everybody's, in, in front of everybody's seat, I put a, a little salt water and, and, and salt. I, I, I put it in myself. I know the recipe. And I gave a little bit of, of potato, small enough, big enough, but small enough that you're not... You're, no problem. What? The salt. I use their salt water. And, I, and, and I, got, I brought little spoons last year. I think I have to go order it again. Those little forks, the little fork, and I put it into everybody's carpas. Ha! Huh. So when it comes to carpas, how long does it take? Everybody has their carpas. And what's interesting, every kid is looking at the other ones. It's like a tiny bit bigger. You know what I mean? It's mamish like we're back in Ash. It's like they start bartering stuff, you know, like, like in jail. You know, I'll give you licorice that I have after Pesach if I can... Have your carpas, please give me. Can I just lick it? I mean, it's like these little tiny carpases. Now, if you do that in advance, how long does carpas take? Five minutes, maximum. Everyone, carpas, eat it. Fine. Yachat. So here, this is, this is you know, I've got to tell you, I've been practicing in advance. Start practicing. It's not supposed to take that long. It's just 
It's really just do it, okay? It's not that hard to do. How long does it take? Two seconds. And your kids are all going to be interested. They're going to be watching the clock. It would be great if we could have like a countdown. 30 minutes, beat the clock down. Yeah, now we get to Magid. Now, Magid is very important. First of all, there are certain parts of Magid that you have to say. Very few, but you have to know what they are. Okay? And you ask the Rav what they are, and you say those things. It's very little. It's like, Halach Ma'anya, Avadamayinu, Yishin Baruch HaMakayim Baruch. It's official, say there. Dayenu. All fun and dandy. Now, you tell the story. Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim. Ask your Rav. You don't need to. Ask your Rav. He'll tell you. You don't need to say the words. Tell the story. We were slaves. We were freed. Let's eat. No, we were slaves. He was a bad guy. His name was Paro. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Paro was very bad. He was very mean. And he made us... You know, tell the story. Now, you could tell the story in five minutes or in ten minutes. It's up to you. That's all you have to do besides a couple of other words. Beware. When it comes to Pesach, we point to the Pesach. By the Matzah, you point to the Matzah. The Murrah, you point to the what? No, no. You point, you, you point to the Murrah. But, when it comes to Chachama Oimer and then Rashama Oimer, don't point to the Kips. They don't like that. So I avoid that whole, that whole Chacham Rasha thing, Tam, whatever. If you're stuck and you say it by accident, you say, Baruch Shem Machut. No, I'm kidding. If you say it by accident, Chacham Oimer, as soon as you say Chacham Oimer, you turn to your kid and you say, You're my Chacham. Okay? The Russia part we'll get into a different story, a different time. So if you gather to Labincha, you tell them the story of Mitzrayim, you say the minimum that you do, and you find yourself quickly, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, you head into Rachza, Maitzi Matzah, that's what we want. We want Mitzvah Hayyim, Halavai, they should go ahead, they should eat the Matzah. Ask your Rav, I was on the phone with a very chash of a Rav, and we said, what's the minimum shear, just so you understand. He said, and you have to ask your own das he said one-seventh of a matzah for sick people, or for kips, that you try, people are trying to be makayav, that can't chew and chew and chew and chew and chew. The minimum, you should just understand what it is. Also, buy small cups, and if you only have, and he said it's 86 ml, which I have no idea what that is, but I'm assuming it's like very small. And you only need to have more than Rife Kais, like 45, 44 ml. Is that like one ounce? How much is that? Uh, whatever. Figure it out. It's, a it's like a medicine. It's mamish. Okay, so it's like four medicine cups. Very, very little. Very, and, and you should know, know, get the sizes or get medicine cups and you can give it out to your kids. Three ounces to get the minimum and, and like this, everybody can move. Now you want to have more, you can have more later, whatever it is. Or not for you but it's nice get everyone the same thing and let's make it happen now when I had for many the what what's the drippies oh the drippies that's what your kids call them the drippies the dumb yes now I don't really like the Marcus ask your if you could avoid it because the idea that we smite bad people the Rishon they say oh imagine what Hashem is going to smite me they have a complex what I'm going to, it's not, it's a little bit of a touchy area that we tortured the bad people. They're probably sticking up for them like they stick up for the Palestinians and for every liberal cause. They're going to go now and say, oh, those Mitzrayim, you know, what did they ever do wrong? It's not their fault. So I try to avoid those kind of things that, 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 that could be issues. Okay? My murder, I had almost every year, home sweet home guys, whenever I gave out murder, I would always lean to them and say, you don't need murder. You had enough murder in your life. And they would say, oh, thanks, whatever. And then they would say, no, I want triple, you know, and tears and make a whole game out of it. But that, that's a good thing to say to your kids in pain. You had enough Mara in your life. You don't need to have Mara this year. Kairach, really, I don't understand. Hillel was a great man, and he said a lot of great stuff, but his sandwich idea was really not the greatest <laughs> idea. I don't know. No, I mean, there are no restaurants around that serve it. And it's, it's you know, I make the sandwich with the matzah, the, the, the mur lettuce stuff inside, but I, I mean, maybe it's just me, but one bite and it just crumbles, right? It's like, well, they used to have the spazi matzah, was lafa, they have a shawarma, oh, a shawarma, great idea, Hillel, but our Hillel didn't come up with shawarma idea, and it's just very crummy idea, and it's a lot of extra stuff. Anyway, it is what it is. Comes to Shulchan Aruch. Now, Shulchan Aruch, after you eat, start eating the meal, all the Enikluch can come. There's no Lachatz anymore. We had Yachatz, no Lachatz. <laughs> That's our theme. Let's have a Pesach with Yachatz and Rachatz, but no Lachatz.
Anyway, so at the meal, everybody can come say Manashtana. doesn't bother anybody. You have soup, after the soup, as much as you want, all together as a choir or not. In the first time, I didn't mention, when it comes to Manashtana, nobody said, we just sing it together. Whatever your song is, Manashtana or Manashtana, whatever it is, doesn't matter. One language, okay? Later, it could be Yiddish, Puerto Rican, Spanish, doesn't matter, Jamaican, Ebonics, any language that you like, you can do later. Anybody has a Dvartari to say, I don't mind it, it's not like Shabbos. After the meat, during the meat, you'll tell in advance, you're going to speak 10 minutes. Mommy's going to serve the main dish. While we eat the main dish, he wants to sit in the corner and talk. You can have him talk for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, any Dvartari, no problem. But it should be all about one theme. What was really the theme of Pesach? Everything we do is Zechel and Tiyas Mitzrayim. Twice a day, Zechel and Tiyas Mitzrayim, Zechel... Why is everything Zechel Tiyas Mitzrayim? Says the Nesiva Shalom, it's based on the Chazal, which is basic, basically the story that Hashem has a message for us today. We think that if we sin, or if we fall, Hashem likes us less. But what was the story of Mitzrayim? We were on the Memtash Shari almost the Nun Shari And Hashem runs ahead and He goes ahead and He rescues us. And how does it start? It starts that, that Hashem tells Moshe, go to Paroi, right, and tell him, do you know who you're messing with? B'ni b'chayri Yisrael. These are my b'chayr. The Medrash says, hang on, there's two children. We are, v'anim atem Hashem alikeichem. But there's another thing that was created that's called also a child. You know what that is? Angels. B'nei alikim. Frekt Reb Levi in the Medrash. There are two children, and I don't know which one does Hashem love more. Does Hashem love more the angels who get a hundred on every single test? They listen to every single thing that you say. They're perfect. They're amazing. They're fantastic. No issues with the angels. Or does Hashem like his children, those Jewish guys, which Ashamnu, Baganu, Gazalnu, Dibanu, Daifi, Havinu, Vashana, and that's only the stuff we're willing to admit in Shul. And all the Achets. And all the right slachlanus three times a day, and all the churban and the amshayirif, and all the trouble that we make for him. So the manager says, "I don't know." Now, what would you say? Which kid do you like better? The one that never gave you an ounce of trouble, or the one that's um, yeah, yes. yeah? Says the medrash, Hashem loves Klal Yisrael more than heavenly angels. How do you know? Because it says, "Bni b'chayri Yisrael." that we are the Bukhar, and even though the truth is the angels were created first. So why are we the Bukhar? That's a Lushan of Avan Chiba, Lushan of love and, yeah, Avan Chiba, to show us Hashem loves us more than heavenly angels. Did you know that? But here's the kicker. If Hashem would have said B'ni Bukhar Yisrael when we were on Kabbalah Satera, the highest level, we would say, okay, we're still human, but we came to such a high level. Hashem says, I love you, as much as angels. Good. But that's not when he said it. He said it when we were Oiv the Zara. We were spitting in Hashem's face. Much worse than any Averis that we do today. We said, you don't run the world. You don't run. This cow runs the world. You're not in charge of my Parnasa. This sheep is my ki- I mean, come on. That's really, really, we don't do that. We don't do that. Right? We know Trump runs the world. Right? What do we serve? We have issues. We have problems. Nobody says nobody, no. So they were and Hashem says, I don't think Pari gets it. Pari thinks that they fell down. They lost everything. Right? They were partying out with the shikses. They were going out. It says in Chazal, they were partying. They were getting drunk. All kinds of bad stuff. But by the way, you know what Chazal says? The Medrash says, we built our own shtiblach for avodah I mean, we were slaves, so we didn't have time, we didn't have money, we didn't have energy. Yeah, extra, besides all of our working, we went ahead, and we didn't want to go travel to the city, and we went ahead and we had our own little shtiblach. This one I daven in, this one I don't daven in, I don't like the crowd there. And probably the real gachka guys, they probably daven at 7 a.m., so we have the chesidah shtiblach, the minion factory, with 7, 7.15, 8.15, or with the coffee and everything. We built our own stuff, very bad. And Hashem says, I got news for you, Paray. But the truth is, we need to know this. I got news for you, us. B'ni b'chayri Yisrael. Hashem loves us at that situation. L'hayrois u'laharois. 
to show and to teach us that Hashem loves us even when we are so much that He's willing to change the Marecha Sateva to save us. And of course we don't get to see that every single day today. But that's the message that we have to remember. That as a national, as a nation, that we were in tragedy, we were stuck, Hashem was willing to change everything. All the makas went from below sea level, from the lowest level. Each one is a little bit higher. And it goes all the way to Neshamas. Bechayris is Neshamas. And Hashem showed on every single level, right, that I'm willing to turn over all the laws of nature to save you. And to show the Mitzrayim how much I love you. Sometimes we have the Mitzrayim inside of us. That part of us says, Hashem hates me, I'm not good enough, I'm a messed up person, there's no way Hashem likes me. And those voices of Pare and Mitzrayim sometimes are alive in us, in our children, and a lot of people. And that's the Zechel of Tiyas Mitzrayim. Twice a day, you have to remember, 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 remember. Remember, 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 remember. Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim. That what? That all of these things that Hashem did for us, was when we did not deserve it. Because if Hashem would have done this when we were on the Chav Sharei Tumah, on the 20th level of Tumah, we would have thought, Hashem will tolerate us until 20. 30? No way. 40? Forget about it. So it says in the Siva Shalom, that's Pshat Bechi Puzzling. Hashem had to take us out quickly. Why? Because we were about to fall into the 50th level. So he asked, why didn't Hashem plan a little better? Why did he wake up the last minute? We're about to fall, he didn't know. Start a few weeks earlier, for a few months earlier. Why'd you wait for that? It says, no, it's on purpose. Hashem waited to the very last second, so you should know forever that even in that matzav, I love you, that the love that Hashem has for Klal Yisrael is unlimited, is without any reason, and it's the essence of our relationship. Not because of your good deeds, your banai. And it's a mistake for the from people who think that I am deserving and that's why I could say Banim Atem Hashem. No, no, no. It's the relationship. Hashem could have picked any kind of relationship with us. He could have said, I am your king and you are the slaves. It doesn't say that. He picked the one relationship that can never be destroyed. Every other relationship that there is in the world can be destroyed except for father-child. Therefore, Hashem said, Banim Atem Hashem Aleikeichem. And then he said, I love you more than heavenly angels. That means that there is nothing that we can do that is stronger than Hashem's commitment to the relationship. And even if we drop our side, his side is perfectly strong and is not going anywhere. These are the beautiful messages that is Tyrus Emes that our whole generation needs. Not just the kips, the skips. Not just the skips, but the mips and the fips. The mom's in pain and the father's in pain. We all need to understand this message. As we go deeper and deeper in Gullus, we're not so proud of ourselves. We're not like as holy as our grandparents. We don't daven and learn like our great-grandparents. So we need to remember, Hashem is testing us. Do you believe that I love you just as much? Or do you think that your actions are stronger than my commitment to love you? Open up the Nesiva Shalom, line, underline all the good stuff, and that's what you sprinkle. That's, these are the messages that you give, even if your kip is not there, that your skips should understand that and should realize what, what Kalal Yisrael is based on. If this did not exist, if this did not happen, this commitment, we would not be here. We would not have been rescued from Mitzrayim because we were undeserving of all of the nature, the rules, Hashem ripped them up. Also a lesson. So many times we say, I have rules in the house. The rules are meant to keep society and to keep our homes running well, not to drown our kids. If it comes down to, I'm going to have a house with rules, but without my kid, then in the name of what? The rule is there to help the child, not drown the child. I had an amazing story in Home Sweet Home. There was a kid that went out one night, and he did drugs. And I found out about it. Now, it's Nishkan Chachma. It's not very smart to lose kids. I could have thrown every single kid at some point out. Hello, I was opening up a home for kids who that's their profession, to get thrown out of places. The whole idea was I never threw a kid out. There was one kid, like after a few, in a short period of time, he threw himself out. But I didn't lose my kids. So the Chachma was, how do you not lose kids? They break whatever rules you have, right? We have rules because we had to have rules because the house different than your house. It's a program, and there's other kids trying to stay clean. What are you supposed to do? So this kid went ahead, and he did drugs. So I went there at like 1 o'clock in the morning. They were not supposed to be outside. First, I got into pajamas and my robe, because I always did that for impact. Now, if they're watching, I fooled you. 
And I came and I said, I forgot something at the house. And I, I said, how you doing? Okay, let's go to sleep, go to sleep. I looked at him, and I just stared at his eyes just one second, and I moved on. He texted the other guy who was texting me, the snitch, but he was a good guy. He snitched on him for one reason. I, I'll explain to you. None of the kids trusted adults. Right? They all feel, don't trust any adults. You don't trust the police, you don't trust the adults, nothing. They trusted me to the point that they knew. I tell them, if somebody breaks a rule, tell me why. Because if I don't catch him, he's going to keep on breaking rules. He's not going to make it to the end of the year. If I do catch him, I'm not going to throw him out. I'm going to save him. So that's why he went ahead and he told me about what was happening. So he texted me, oh, Avi saw, Avi saw my eyes. That's it. My days here are numbered. I don't know what's going to be. The next day I came into the house and said, by the way, I'm doing a drug test tomorrow. So he went ahead and he started, he figured it's going to be a urine test. He started going out to buy urine and to, you know, you could buy anything on the Internet. And to ask friends, I'll pay you, can you just give me some urine? Amazing what people need these days, right? Actually, you know the story about this boy that bought on the Internet uh, urine for his test, and he gave it in, and it came back and said, well, we have good news and bad news. The good news is you're clean from drugs. The bad news is you're pregnant. You have to be careful with the mazel of Alice, the Sefer Teresh and the urine that you buy in the internet. You never know what you're going to be getting these days. Okay, so today he would just say, I, I, what's the word? I, I identify as a pregnant woman, and that's it. We have no issue. Depends how you identify. Anyway, all kidding aside, so I, I saw this kid, so I told him, no, we're going, to do, we're going to do a test, and he was trying to get urine. I walked in, and I had cups with everyone's name on it, and I went over to him, and I said, I'm doing a hair follicle test. Now, Chacham from the Manashtana, the hair follicle test. Do you know what a hair follicle is? I don't. The hair follicle is the piece that's in your brain, right, that the hair pulls out of your brain. And 13 months you can check. But I did this Kaseda throughout the years, the drug test, the hair follicle test, like every few months when I felt I needed it. But I never sent it in, and I never know what it was. So I, told, I said, everybody, okay, surprise, here's your names. And I took out a scissors. What do I know? So I took, I, I cut off his hair, I put it in the thing, I cut off his hair. You can't tell anything from a cut hair, whatever. And I cut off this guy, I cut it, I put his hair in the, in the cup, and I, he was texting, I, that's it, tomorrow, Abby's going to find out, in a few days, I'm out of here, he's going to throw me out of here. Erev Shabbos was the next day, the third day. And he came in, um, he was in the kitchen, I'll never forget, and there's nobody else home. And I went over to him, and I prepared myself before him. I was holding his cup with his name, with his hair, which is worthless, but he didn't know that either. Fortunately, there wasn't Google, Google then. Nowadays, they would just Google. But I also would have Googled it. Where is the hair follicle? I mean, I would have figured it out. I could have plucked it, but I just cut it. Anyway, so I went ahead, and I had his thing, and I just, I just looked at him. He said, hey, what's up? I just looked at him. I turned over his cup, and I knocked out his hair. I put it down on the counter. I took out from my pocket a scissors. I went like this to my own hair. I cut it. Put it in the, in the hair. I looked at him. I said, am I going to ever regret this? I said, you know, this is against the rules. He thought I have rules. Huh. I said, the board, the board is going to fire me. They thought I had a board. Oh, if you're watching, <laughs> there was never a board. <laughs> yeah. Now I could tell them. There was no board. I told him, I said, um, I, I really liked him. I wanted him to stay, you understand? I said, you know, this goes against everything I believe in. I'm an honest person, but I'm doing this for you because I really care about you. He was just dumbfounded, right? I said, am I ever going to have a problem? Right? That boy is learning in Eretz Yisrael today. I mean, you know, I, 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 it was such a great opportunity. I'm so happy. Like I always tell you, from the worst situations is we have the biggest Rosham. You have to pray and pray that we have crisis to create opportunities to reach the kid in a way that you can't when everything is going fine. It's when they break that car, they steal it Friday night, and they bust it up, where you can really show them to the depth of their feeling that you, I don't really believe, mem teshari toma, that you're going to stick with me. That's what happens in crisis. That I am here. Okay, so what I told someone, I said, what the rules, the rules are there. I said, the rules are not here to drown people. The rule is to hold you together, not to do drugs, because we need to have, but once they do it, it's not helpful to throw the kid out in the name of rules. Hashem said, water goes down, but to save my children, water goes up. Now, a very interesting thing happened. 
I don't know if you heard about this. It's called Kriya Siamsov. The problem was that as soon as Hashem told the, the Sar of the Mayim to split the water, comes running in, everybody knows, the Sar of the other side, smile, other guys, uh, Samuels, and uh, he says, hang on. And we all know the beginning, but I don't know if everybody knows the end. I don't get it. Hashem, I don't get it. This group, you want clearance? They are and the next one you want us to drown, they're also which means they're the same. How could you differentiate between this group? But you don't have clearance for that, Hashem. And it's not a joke. The Medrash says, Yalkut Shemoni, that without a vav. The Sar of the Mayim got angry and told Hashem, I'm not listening to you. You created a Teva. I can't break Teva. You're telling me to let this group in and drown that group? I can't do it. The Sar of Esav, the Sar of Mitzrayim is correct. What would have happened if there's no answer to that? We would be dead or captured, and right now we would all be a bunch of short brown guys with mustaches and towels on our head. Not a good situation. We would have been enslaved and gobbled up. We would be Egyptians. That's it. So what was the answer to the question? Because it's a really good question. I don't understand. Says the Medrash, Yaakov Shemayni, that Miyad Amalei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem told these angels, Shoy Teshaba Oilam, Meshugana, crazy guy, Bechila, Datam of Duha, you think they had Das when they were serving idols? The Haloy of Duha, Elamitoich, Tear of Das. They didn't serve idols, and they had a Shita, oh, the kid's an atheist, we have kids that. 13-year-old, I'm an atheist, he went to school to become an atheist, he knows what he's talking about. And you're judging those who do things on purpose, like people who do it by accident. Hashem called angels, right? Don't you want to tell that sometimes to the people around you who keep on telling you, look, I go outside, I see three guys outside smoking on Shabbos, right? Breaking into cars, Right, an African-American, an Italian, a Mexican, a Frenchman, and a Jew. Sounds like the beginning of a good joke. Right? And they say, they're all the same. It's mamashak, mamashak goy. Right? They say, what's the difference between a yid and a goy? Nor a yid can say a goy gumer. I don't know how to say that in English. Right? Only a yid can be a really a bad goy. A goy can only just be a goy. A yid is a goy, a goy gumer, a shaygit, a shiksa, a shiksa goyta. Right? You see, Mamish the same. They're smoking on Shabbos. Two guys, John, the guy, and Yankel. So they're the same. Isn't that what we say? So, Miyad Amalek Kaddish Baruch Hu, you Meshugana, you so don't understand the situation. You're such, you're looking at the x-ray. You're looking at the situation here. You miss Shemais Ve'eri, Boi B'Shalach. You miss, you don't understand who these, these are my kids. These are, their essence is taiv. They're enslaved. And you're looking at what somebody does after being enslaved and you're judging them. How real is this to us, people judging our kids? The kid goes through such trauma and pain. Kids are never raped, molested, traumatized with all different stuff. They want to die. And all of a sudden, right? All of a sudden, I just see the outside layer and I'm passing and you're a shegetz. It's like you're so missing the point. You have to tell them, excuse me, you don't know my kid. You look, come into my house, you don't see the way I raised my family. The chinuch that we put into this kid, he's a chelkel kami mal. Mamish. And you think all of a sudden he's a Russia and he's a Meshuggah and he's a... What are you talking about? Something happened over here. We didn't invent this, Rabbi say. We did not invent this. Hashem said that if you're going to judge them by their actions, even though the video camera shows... Right alongside over there, Muhammad. But no, this guy is free and he's a drug dealer. This kid is traumatized. Tear of Das. That was the word. Shibud, the tear of Das. I was missing a word. That's the Medrash quote. And this is answers all the neighbors. And all of Klaus show. When you're coming to judge our kids, huh, you're coming in now? You miss Shemaitz Ve'er, Rabbi Bashar, you miss the kid's whole story. You know how much pain they're in? 
you know how much history they have, you know how much dysfunction is in them. Good. So Hashem, what did he do? He changed the whole Marachas Imagine that Trump calls up at the JFK, the head of security, and he says there's two planes that are landing. One is going to be coming from Israel, and there's a hundred guys in there named Mohammed, and the other one is coming from Air Al-Qaeda, and there's a hundred guys named Mohammed. And the first hundred guys, they're all going to have suicide vests and everything, and I want you to let them right through. The other one, I want you to shoot them on the spot. So the head of security is going to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Halalu, the halalu. Trump is going to say, no, 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 these are my kids. I know these people. Let them go. He overrided the system as president of the United States. Hashem, as president of the world, said that even though it looks like to you that they're the same, and it's interesting that the Nesiv Shalom brings down from Chazal that two angels, we talk a look the same. You know why? Angels don't know Machshavas. Angels don't know Machshavas, what you're thinking. They just see action. So they saw, they're limited. Like I said before, a lot of people have Chachma, but they have no Bina. The Chachma is, you do the time, you do the crime. They have no wisdom that this punishment is going to make the kid worse. And long-term vision. How many people in the family that we have are just like that? They have Chachma, but no Bina. No Bina, no understanding of the person. Right? That's what we have to understand. That's what we need to have. So that's what happened over here. Hashem understood more than the Malachim. The Malachim are limited, like the angels in our community and in our families. They only see the kids smoking on Shabbos, the short skirt, and that's it. Your kid is gone. Too bad. Write him off. Throw him out. No, 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 no. We have to say... You're such a crazy person. You don't know the story over here. Our kids are good. Our kids are good. Our kids are good. Okay. These are the messages that we have to impart on our children. It's all in the manual. And a lot of this stuff is in GPS in the fourth section where I took a lot of Nesiva Shalom on Pesach and it's written over there. These are the messages that we have to go ahead and impart on our children. At the end of the Seder, we come to the Kaishal Elio. Elio Anavi. What do we all know about Eliyahu Anavi? That when Eliyahu Anavi comes, the Heishiv Lev Aves Albanim, the Lev Banim Alavaisam, it's going to be a time that all the children that are out there are going to come home. How are they going to come home? So the Torah tells us they're not going to have a change of heart until we have a change of heart. Children do not have a change of heart until the parents have a change of heart. The Heishiv Lev Aves Albanim first, and then comes Lev Banim Alavaisam. At that moment, we celebrate with the Kais Chamishi that is brought down in the Svarim represents that fifth, fifth Kais. He's talking about the fifth kid, different than the Chacham and the Rasha, the Tam, the Sheni, the Elishal. It's not that Rasha that at least because he's at the Seder. That fifth Kais we have for all those kids that are not even at the Seder. That's the Ben Chamishi. And we go ahead, and it's not a mistake that as soon as we do that, and we're celebrating Mitzvah Hashem, that Elio will come, and we have an inspiration of a Heshev Levavi Salbanim, and even though maybe yesterday I couldn't tolerate you and I threw you out of here, but now I realize that it's on me to change, the Heshev Levavi Salbanim comes first, so we go and we open up the door. We're opening up the door, it says in the Svarim, that we're letting those kids that are outside, that don't feel comfortable in our homes, we're letting them know, you can come inside the house now. We decided after the whole Seder, and after maybe getting a little tipsy on the Abrakaisis, and we go up to the Ben Chamishi, and we have the Kaisha Yo, we realize it's time to come home. And with that, we can sing Lashana Haba B'Yerushalayim. So, Mirza Hashem, with this preparation of everything that we spoke about, we will be able to have a very good Yontif. The most important thing is Erev Pesach, a bomb for every kid in the family. The healthy kids get a healthy gift, a normal thing. Every kid has something that he wants. Besides the Afikaimit, everybody wants something. For a healthy kid, it's a nice thing that, that he's allowed to have. The only twisted part is the fact that we give the, the one who's struggling, that we give them support by supporting the things that we would normally not want to. But you could just be nice to the other kids. They're all going through a hard year. All the siblings are suffering. They're all going through a lot of pressures and struggles that we know and that we don't know. They're there for us, and we're there for them, and we show them with that gift 
that we should understand that we're all going to have a great, great yontif. The gifts take out a little bit of the bumps in the road, but like I said in the beginning, we have to be superhuman. We have to be mamish like malachim, malachim, mamish. Right? I said a vart that Rashi says when you and Yaakov sent malachim, malachim, mamish. They're real angels, not humans, not messengers. Malachim can mean messengers or it can mean angels. So it means angels. How do you know? So I tie it very simple. If they were humans and they saw what's going on with Esau and 400 men, if you would mean, if they sent us to go find out what's the matzav and we found Esau with 400 men, the last thing we're going to do is go back to the camp and, get, and risk our lives. We'd run the other way. Oh, they came back. They must have been angels. So I said for the people who just trained here, you trained, okay, fine, but you came back to group, you have to be malachim mamish. The Ebi Shadal Helfen, you should have a smooth sailing of a, of a Pesach, and it should be the beginning of a lot of healing that we need for everybody. Now, the real part that makes this so chashav is, after everything is cleared off, and you have a beautiful, wonderful, fun Seder, that's when you go ahead, your kip is doing whatever, take out the Haggadah, and go through everything, one word at a time, and the Shekhinah will be there with you. You'll have ready Dafi and everything you show Hashem. I'm not just trying to take the easy way out. And you go ahead until Kriyashma in the morning. You go ahead and you could, you could take care of all of that. Usually our kips, even if they come after the meal, they usually disappear to whatever. At that point, you have halal and everything. You can figure out what to do. But we want to keep them there as long as possible. You are the most impressive people in Klal Yisrael. When Hashem looks down, He's not going to look down at you and say, Look, they're being makel. He's going to say, See how machmer they're being on being the care of their children to be healthier and to want to be from one day.